Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Think Life Church. Hey, would you do me a huge favor today and welcome those that are watching us right now live online. Welcome them with us today. Give them a round of applause and thank them for being a part of this amazing time of worship. And I'm so thankful for what God is doing in and through Rethink Life Church. And what an amazing time of worship we've had. And uh, we are already in week five. Man, it's crazy to think that just five weeks ago, we actually launched a brand new series called The Habits of Happiness. And so we're going through really a book study. I haven't done this in a long time, and uh, it's been fun. It's been so encouraging to me on a personal level, just reading through verse by verse. And we're doing that through the book of Philippians. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up with me to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. And and, uh, as you're finding your place there, maybe uh, on your phone, if you have a Bible app, or if you have a hard copy of your Bible uh, with you today, let me just encourage you to also uh, take just a moment, and uh, you can also pull up the notes there on our app. But let me just say this, I'm excited today, immediately after our service, we're going to be having an opportunity, as you just learned, uh, over in the cafeteria, something we call our welcome party. And I just want to extend a personal invitation to everybody who may be new with us. What I mean by new This may be your first time with us today as a first-time guest. We call you a VIP. That means you're very important to us. And I I think this would be an amazing opportunity for you to plug in with us. We'll feed you lunch. We'll take care of your kids. Maybe you're new to the community. Maybe you've been coming to church here at Rethink Life for quite some time. But maybe you've never really taken the next step to really get connected, to be plugged in, to learn some of the ways that you can take those next steps to grow spiritually and to grow relationally in your life. And so this is a huge opportunity for you as well. It's not long. We'll have uh, lunch together and I'll just share some things with you. And also you'll learn by hearing some testimonials and uh, meeting and greeting some of our, uh, what we call our dream team members. And uh, just be a great time for us to hang out together. And it's a party-like atmosphere. So we would invite we want to invite you to come and be a part of that immediately after our service today. Well, we kicked off life groups last week and had an amazing, amazing time. Uh, my wife Michelle and I plugged into a group, and man, it was so uh, refreshing and encouraging to meet new people, uh, put faces and names together, and uh, really just looking forward to this journey of growth. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't joined a life group, let me encourage you to go online, check out the different groups. Uh, Some may already be closed, and that's okay. Others are still open and available. Find a group that works in your schedule that maybe falls into your area of interest or demographic, and I promise you it will be an incredible, incredible experience in your life. Well, let's get started. Today we're going to be talking about and learning from the book of Philippians four specific qualities that the Apostle Paul kind of pulls out of some individuals that we're going to learn from today when it comes to really the habits of happiness. You know, what's interesting is that, you know, happiness um, is, a, is, a, is a thing that many people think is totally dependent upon circumstances. In other words, when, when circumstances are good, everything's going great, then that obviously is a reason for us to be happy. But, 
you know, unfortunately for a lot of people, they live their lives with extreme highs, extreme lows, and obviously when circumstances are bad, then they're no longer happy, and you know, it's kind of this, this roller coaster ride throughout life, and that's really no way to live. There is a way that we can learn how to live joyfully, to experience true, lasting happiness that God's Word teaches us, that sustaining joy, even when things are hard, even things, when things are going bad, we can still find joy in our lives. And I know that's much easier said than done. But we're going to learn here from Philippians chapter 2, looking at verse 19 and following. In fact, here's what Paul the Apostle said. And let me just remind you, once again, he's in prison. The guy uh, had, had a lifelong dream and vision of going to Rome to preach the gospel. And unfortunately, after he got there, and it was a challenge for him to even make it to Rome, but shortly after he arrived and he was sharing the gospel of Christ, uh, unfortunately, he got arrested. He's placed into a prison cell. Chances are he was chained to a Roman centurion, a guard, uh, 24-7, if you will, where he was basically watched. He was attached to this guard, and he was having to go through in, in tremendous pain and suffering in his life. And yet, here he is writing a letter, a thank you letter, to a group of believers living in a place called Philippi. It's a little small uh, town or a community, if you will, in Greece. And these people, a church that Paul the Apostle helped establish there in Philippi, had taken up an offering. They wanted to bless the Apostle Paul through all of his missionary efforts. So they sent a guy by the name of Epaphroditus to basically go and take this, this, this gift, if you will. Kind of like a care packet in this financial gift. This man traveled 800 miles to go and deliver this offering and this special gift as a way of blessing the Apostle Paul. And so here he is now, not even really knowing whether he was going to live or die. He's chained to this prison guard. He's in a prison dungeon, a cell, and he's writing this letter. And the crazy thing about it is that the entire theme of the letter that he is writing to these people that he loved greatly was the theme of joy and happiness. And so here's what he said in verse, beginning in verse uh, 19 in Philippians chapter 2. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy. Who genuinely cares about your, your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with, with his father. He has served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come see you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and a fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. I'm sending him because he has been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And certainly he was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me, 
so that I would not have one sorrow after another. For I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him. And then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ. And he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. It's an amazing thing to think about. A guy who's in prison, not even knowing whether he was going to live or die, had no idea what his future looked like. It was going to be at the mercy, if you will, of Caesar and those who would ultimately determine his fate. He's chained to this Roman soldier who's watching over him 24-7. In fact, they had a rotation of guards coming in and coming out. And yet, the only thing that he was concerned about at the time was a group of people that he had helped establish the church with. And obviously, he had learned to love these people. They did life together, and he built close bonds and friendships and relationships with these people. So here he is wanting to send a couple of guys that he worked with, one Timothy, one by the name of Epaphroditus, and he wanted to send them to the people there in Philippi. Now what's interesting is that he could have chosen a lot of people. There was a lot of people that were there as far as believers were concerned. But yet there were two specific individuals that Paul wanted to spotlight to really serve as an example for all of us, even 2,000 years later, to follow, to mimic, to really understand some unique qualities. Because again, Paul could have picked a lot of people, but he chose to pick two individuals to represent qualities or characteristics of ultimate joy and happiness and really what they embodied that allowed them to be such great role models for the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first quality, if you take notes, is this. And here's what Paul really wanted to emphasize is that we have to shift our focus from ourselves away from ourselves and put the focus on other people. In fact, you probably have experienced this. How many of you when you were in a Maybe in, in elementary school, back in the day, you know, they used to have like uh, pictures, like picture day. And, um, and so you would have like individual shots, you know, and then they would have like the class picture, the whole group. You remember those days? How many remember those days? Man, those were awesome, weren't they? <laughs> well, here's, here's, here's the thing. You know, back then, you know, they didn't have like, you know, digital photographs you had to wait and took like half the whole year to get your pictures back you remember that and uh and not only did you get your pictures back but man alive everybody was so excited and and uh you remember when you got your class picture the whole group picture and they'd always have everybody kind of like on those little rows you know they had like the little those little stands, the little rows, and so they had, you know, the, the, the group there on the front line and then those on the back line. The teacher was always usually in the middle or off to the side. And you remember when you first looked at the group picture? Let me ask you a question. Let's be honest, we're in church, so don't lie. Who was the first person you looked at when you saw the group picture? You better believe it. Man, I was looking at myself like, whoa, man, cool. But you know what? It's funny because 
Now we live in the digital age and we're all like, you know, doing the little selfies. And I was at a restaurant the other day and I was observing there was a girl sitting by herself about two tables over by herself. And the whole time she was over there doing this. I'm like, no wonder you're sitting by yourself, woman. I'm like, get a life. Totally consumed with her angles on her little selfies. And you know, it's so funny because we live in this world where it's all about me, myself, and I. It's totally self-absorbed. We are obsessed with ourselves. And Paul said, hey... Here's the thing we got to understand. If you want to find real joy, if you want to find real happiness, then shift the focus away from yourself and put it on other people. However, if you want to be miserable, then just be preoccupied with yourself. Because the moment you become consumed with yourself, your needs, your wants, your preferences, your opinions, your desires, the moment you become preoccupied with yourself, then everything and everybody in life is going to fall short of your expectations, which is going to make you unhappy and miserable. But when we take the focus off of ourselves and we put it on other people, it's amazing the shift in terms of our mindset and our attitude really begins to experience. I was reading this morning out of my one year Bible, and I'll be honest with you, can I kind of make a little confession? So you, you guys watching online, maybe you can just uh, say pray for the pastor. But I have not fulfilled or completed my one year Bible from 2021. I'm almost there. I've gotten behind, I had some other things but I'm almost there. But today I read something, rocked my world. You know, they define joy this way. Joy is sunshine turned inside out. Isn't that good? Joy is sunshine turned inside out. That simply means no matter what's going on around me, I can still find joy because joy is an inside job. And the reason for that is because the ultimate source of joy is found in Jesus. So the focus really should be on Jesus. The focus should really be on others because that's what joy stands. Jesus, it's others, and then you fall in behind. So here's the thing. In verse 20 and 21, the Apostle Paul said, Timothy is a perfect example of all of this. He said, I have no one else like him. I have no one else like Timothy because he genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. And I love he said, he said, I have no one else like Timothy. In other words, this guy, Timothy, he is extremely rare. You know, there's just something about people who just seem to kind of like stand out. You know, just the way they live, they're consistent, they're faithful. You know, they actually live, you know, what they preach. They, they're just a great example. They just seem to embody, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. They just seem to just radiate a sense of joy and calmness. They're humble. There's just an amazing spirit that they carry with them. When they walk into a room, there's just, there's just something. Sometimes it's hard to even articulate, but there's just something about the way they carry themselves. And Paul was saying, that's Timothy. I mean, he's a rare breed. I don't, I don't have anybody else quite like this guy. And so Paul is emphasizing that he genuinely cares about your wel welfare. 
And my question to you, can you name, honestly, can you name five people in your life that genuinely and sincerely cares about your well-being? I mean, honestly, that's pretty tough, isn't it? And it's sad and unfortunate, but a lot of us don't really have a lot of people like that. You know why? Because most people are preoccupied with themselves. I believe that's one of the reasons why Jesus even emphasized the great commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he added a little twist to it. And he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, be just as preoccupied with other people as you are preoccupied with yourself. And so here the Apostle Paul is emphasizing something that is so vitally important. And that's the reason why we need to be in a life group. Because if you couldn't quickly fire up five names of people who genuinely and sincerely cares about your well-being, then we need to associate with a new set of friends. We need to get around some other people that are less focused on themselves and focused on the things that truly matters most. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 it says it this way, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Can you imagine if our culture today just practiced this? Can you imagine what would happen in marriages today if married couples actually just took the focus off of themselves, their needs, their preferences, their wishes, their desires. They just put the focus on serving the needs of their spouse. What a game changer that would be. Can't tell you how many times as a pastor, you know, I've had couples come to me and they wanted to talk and they would basically say, we're just not compatible anymore. And that, I know where they're coming from, and in essence what they're saying is that, you know, we're just too self-centered to get over ourselves. But that's the truth. But the point of the matter is, is that we need to surround ourselves with people who love God and who love us and who are generally concerned about our health, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, our overall health and well-being. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I just want to say if you're single today, Find yourself single again in a situation at this stage or season in your life and you desire to be married. You desire to find somebody to spend the rest of your life with, but yet you are spending time with somebody. Maybe you are dating someone. You're in a relationship with someone. You're not married yet, but you're in a relationship with someone who is wrapped up in themselves. Can I just give you a little word of advice and speak the truth and love as your pastor and as your friend. I don't care how much money they got in the bank. I don't care what kind of car they drive. I don't, I don't care how cute they might be. Or how fun they may be and what amazing personality they might have. But if they are wrapped up in themselves. In other words, the focus is all about them. How many of you remember NSYNC, the singing group, the boy band? How many of you remember that? Then here's how you deal with that kind of a relationship. You just simply go, baby, bye, bye, bye. And you go on sync on them. You just simply say, hey, I want somebody who's going to be focused on Jesus, going to be preoccupied on Jesus, and who has the attitude of that of Christ Jesus, who's concerned about the needs of others more than themselves. 
And so that's the thing that Paul, the apostle, really wanted to emphasize was the importance of shifting the focus away from ourselves and putting it on the lives of other people. You know, in essence, he was the ultimate example of what is often referred to as servant leadership. That is one of our core values as a church. One of our, we have seven core values, and one of our core values is servant leadership. We say it this way, servant leadership is our identity. You know how you define leadership? Listen, leadership is not about position. It's about your disposition. It's not about your ability. It's about your, ab- your availability. It's all about serving in a way that honors God. Living our lives with a servant heart and a spirit of humility where it's not about me. It's about God and it's about serving other people. I want to highlight three guys. I asked their permission. I said, guys, I want to put you on the spot. But I'm going to ask that my friend Blake and Blaine and Aiden raise their hand. Come on, everybody. Give them a round of applause today that just raised their hand. Let me tell you why I went to them. Because they are just one of many examples here in our church. We refer to as the dream team. But these three guys are new to the dream team. And they're serving on an amazing team called our load in and load out team. And I'm praying that people will understand that it takes people like them who say, you know what, I may not have the ability, but I have the availability. I could care less about my position. I just have a disposition, want to help and bring glory to God and make a difference wherever and however I can. And you wouldn't be doing what you're doing today had it not been for three guys like him and a bunch of dream teamers today who said, you know what, it's not about me, it's about Jesus, and this is my place, and this is my role, and this is how I I can advance the ball down the field to win people to Jesus Christ. And so praise God for servant leadership. Because that's what it's all about. And I just want to encourage you, man, I'm praying that God will put it upon the hearts of 12 more people today that will say, I want to join that team with those guys because I'm telling you, it's an incredible way to make a difference. Number two, if you take a notes, and that is we have to become someone that people trust. So the first quality or characteristics that we have to shift our focus away from ourselves and put our focus on other people. But the second is, is we have to become someone that people trust. It's interesting. Another way to experience happiness or joy in your life is to be a person that other people trust. I don't want to have the reputation of being one of those people that people are always kind of like, ah. You know, you ever had that, you know, where you kind of name somebody, you kind of like throw a name in the hat and everybody else goes, ooh. (laughs) And the reason why they do that is because they're like, ah, they're a little, I don't know. They're, they're, you know, they're they're, they're a little wishy-washy. You you, you know anybody that's wishy-washy? You know anybody that's flaky? You know any flakes in your life? There's always a few flakes, you know. They're just a little flaky, a little wishy-washy. You know, it's kind of like trying to nail jello to the wall. It won't commit to anything. It's like, get a life. But they're the last people you want going in with two seconds left on the clock. When the game is on the line, you're saying, let's just call it quits. I'm not going to send that guy in there. 
But here's the thing. We need people, we need to be people who are trustworthy. And I love what Paul said about Timothy in Philippians 2 verse 22. He said, you already know about his excellent reputation since he has served alongside me as a loyal son in the work of ministry. What an incredible reputation to be somebody who's known as being an individual who has an excellent reputation. I don't know about you, I want to I be that type of person. I want when somebody mentions the name Rodney Gage, I want it to be a I want it to be synonymous with that is a person who has an excellent reputation. As your pastor, that's my prayer, my heart's desire is to live a life as above reproach. Someone who actually lives out what they say they believe. In other words, my behavior matches my beliefs. That's what character is. And I pray for that every day. And I pray that you pray for yourself in that way. That you will be a person whose character has an has a impeccable, excellent reputation. How many of you ever had a credit check before? You, you have to go through like the credit score situation you're filling out an application maybe it's you know for an apartment or you know you're trying to get a loan at the bank or you know whatever the situation is and they always want to do a credit check right and so you got to fill out all these forms and what do they do they do like a little history they do a little search because what they want to do is they want to find out is this person legit does this person actually follow through and do what they say they're going to do? Is this person trustworthy? Is this person going to pay their bill on time? Can this person be counted upon? Are they reliable? Well, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of reputation we ought to have at work, right? Hey, if you want to make an impact, if you are a marketplace leader, listen to me. If you are a business owner, you work for a company, listen, if, you, if you're in an atmosphere, maybe a corporate environment, listen, if you are around other employees and coworkers, let me tell you something. One of the best ways that you can make an impact in the marketplace is when people talk about you, they're talking about you just like Paul is talking about Timothy, they're, they're saying, this person is the real deal. That's how we can make an impact. That's how we can be brighter light and saltier salt. That's how we can love better when it comes to making an impact in those lives around us. Here's two things that Paul kind of emphasized about Timothy. And he said, number one, he said, we need to live with integrity. Here, here's how we can be a trustworthy person. He said, number one, he said, just live with integrity. In other words, there are, does, our, does our behavior match our beliefs? Proverbs 25, 13 says it this way. Trustworthy messengers refresh like snow in summer. They revive the spirit. So we all know what that's like when we're, listen, when we have somebody in our life that's just trustworthy, they know, listen, you, they, you just know they got your back. You, you know people like that? People, they just got your back. They're trustworthy. 
They're just, they can just be counted upon. The reason why is because they're people of integrity. If they're not people of integrity, here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs 25 verse 19 says it this way. Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. <laughs> wow. We all know what that's like, right? That'd be pretty bad to be chewing with a broken tooth. And yet that's what, that's what Proverbs Solomon is emphasizing. When you surround yourself by unreliable people that cannot be counted upon, man, I'm, they're like a thorn in your side. But he also said another way that we become a trustworthy person is not only a, being a person that lives with integrity, but also a person that keeps our promises. In verse, excuse me, in Psalm 15, verse 5, it says it this way: keep your word even when it costs you. Man, there, listen, there are times when we may say to someone, You can count on me. Yes, I will do this. And here's the thing: it may be difficult to make good on the promise because of circumstances. Something happens, an unexpected thing. But rather than trying to figure out how to get out of something or weasel our way, you know, around the, the commitment that maybe we made, here's what Paul is emphasizing. And he's saying Timothy was like this, like this, guys. He said he is a person who lives with integrity and he's a person who makes good on his promises. Listen, regardless of the inconvenience or the time or the money or whatever, the uncomfortability of our lives, listen, make good on our promises. We need to do that as couples, and we need to do that as parents, where we make good on our promises. We keep our promises. That's how we can become trustworthy. Number three, and that is learn to work well with others. Paul is saying, if you want to be happy, be a team player. Get outside of yourself, be a team player. Some of, the, some of you who may be Bucks fans, you probably remember a few weeks ago, there was one of, one of the wide receivers by the name of Antonio Brown. The dude just walks off the field, makes a total spectacle of himself, literally takes off his jersey, takes off, you know, his shirt, and he's walking across the end. Tom Brady's down there trying to run a play, and this dude, he's just like walking off the field. He's heading for the locker room. When his team is trying to win the game, he's all upset because he's not getting enough looks. He's wanting more catches. He's wanting to work on his stats. Well, who cares about what we do? It's about what we do together. That's what team stands for. Together, everyone achieves more. We have to learn to be team players. You know, we live in a world today where everybody's canceled culture, right? You know, if you don't get your way, okay, fine, you're just canceled. I'm going to unfriend you. I'm not going to like you anymore. I'm just going to push delete. You're just going to be deleted from my friendship circle. Really? But yet that's the world that we live in. It's sad and unfortunate. When I was a kid, my dad literally made me read two books. One of them was a book uh, by the name uh, uh, the guy who wrote it was named Dale Carnegie. 
and he wrote, wrote a book that's been like a classic book through the years, but it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he gave me another book by John Maxwell called Be a People Person. And I learned quickly how important it was to learn to get along with people and how important it is to understand people because not everybody's like us. Not everybody sees things from our perspective. That's the reason why marriages struggle. That's the reason why relationships sometimes get off on the wrong footing is because we're expecting somebody else to be like us. <laughs> but, but we're not like each other. There may be things we have in common, but we're all wired differently. We see things from a completely different perspective. We have different personalities. We have different approaches. We have different ways of seeing things. It may not even be an, an issue of what is right and what is wrong. It's just that we have another way in terms of our opinions or approaches as, as to how to get something done. But it doesn't mean that we cancel somebody. It doesn't mean we kick them to the curb. It just might mean that, you know what, we have to learn how to to adjust and get along with one another. And that's one of the things that Paul is emphasizing here. we got to learn to work well with other people. Hey, can I just recommend a couple of great books? These are some books that uh, I've read through the years. They're amazing, amazing books. One of them is a book by the name of, of a, or it's titled The Power of a Positive Team by John Gordon. It's an amazing book. John Maxwell's book called The 17 Indisputable Laws of Teamwork is amazing. Patrick Licioni on the five dysfunctions of a team. Hey, you want to just, just read through those books and take out the principles of those books. They'll be game changers in your workplace, even in your home. I'm telling you, we've got to learn how to get along with other people. And here's how you do it. You take your vitamin C every day. Not just take vitamin C, be vitamin C. You say, what? Let me give you what I'm talking about. Learn to be cooperative. Paul mentions this from this guy by the name of Epaphroditus. He said there in verse 25 in Philippians 2, he said, Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a co-worker, a fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. He was basically saying, hey, this guy is a faithful brother in Christ. He is a team player. He is a co-worker and he is a fellow soldier. This dude will get in the trenches and get his hands dirty with you. And so Paul is commending Epaphroditus saying this guy is a team player. He is a person who understands cooperation. But he also said we need to learn to be considerate. That's the other, other vitamin C. So it's the vitamin C of cooperation and the vitamin C of consideration. And so what does that mean? That simply means that we've got to be considerate of other people. In other words, we're just aware of the needs of those around us. We have to be willing to be thoughtful. That's what Epaphroditus did. In Philippians 2, verse 26, he said, Paul said it this way. He said, I, he said, I'm sending him because he has been longing to see you and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. So two things. Paul was aware and considerate 
of the people there in Philippi that they were longing. He was, he was longing for them and, and he understood that they were longing for, to see him as well and to understand about his well-being. But at the same time, he understood that the people were concerned about Epaphroditus because they were concerned that he was ill and potentially had lost his life. And then Paul is emphasizing as well in that same verse, he said, not only is that, he said, but here's the thing. He said, I understand that because you were concerned about Epaphroditus, it made him upset. So he was concerned that you were concerned. So these guys were basically considerate of everything going on related to their circumstances and the people in their lives. And they understood cooperation and they understood consideration you know first corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 it says it this way you must get along with each other and you must learn to be considerate of one another cultivating a life in common isn't that good the fourth thing and i want to conclude with this and that is we have to live for something worth dying for so if we're going to be people who build and learn how to establish these type of characteristics or qualities in our lives. We gotta shift the focus away from ourselves and put it on other people. We gotta we got learn to be people who are trustworthy. Listen, we gotta be people who learn how to get along with other people, but ultimately we gotta live for something worth dying for. Hey, listen, the two most important questions in life is what am I living for and who am I living for? Am I living for myself or am I living for Christ? And then what am I living for? Am I living for the temporary things of this world or am I living for the eternal things that are going to last forever well paul ends his words to the people there in philippi he's writing this thank you note he ends his letter about these words concerning epaphroditus and he said because epaphroditus literally risked his life he traveled some 800 miles to deliver this offering and this gift risked his life he became extremely ill and paul said about him in verse 27 through 30 he said it's true he almost died but god showed him mercy and healed him and I'm so thankful to God for his healing as I was spared from having the sorrow of losing him on top of all my other troubles because of me he put his life on the line despising the danger so that he could provide for me with what you couldn't since you were so far away and I love this. And he did it all because of his ministry for Christ. He lived, Epaphroditus, he lived for something that was worth dying for. And it was the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but in my life, I want my life and what others might say about me, and my wife Michelle, and our reputation, and how we live our lives how we've raised our children 
and our entire family. To be people that others would say they gave of themselves for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ. And God knows my heart. That's my sincere, genuine prayer and desire. And I pray for that for you. And you say, well, I've already blown it. I've already messed up. I can't go back and undo what's already been done in my life and my past. I'm not perfect. I don't claim to be perfect. And God's not looking for perfection. Jesus is the only one who's perfect, who's sinless. And he died for your imperfection. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we're a church for imperfect people, right? We don't claim to be the perfect church. We never will be because we're filled with imperfect people. And on this side of heaven, we will always fall short. We will always disappoint. We will always mess up. We will always fall. But here's the good news. Jesus died and he came back to life because he's a God of second chances. He's a God who can turn our ashes into beauty. He's a God who can remake and remold and renew our lives to become more and more and more like Jesus Christ. He is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so all our lives all have two dates. It's the day that we're born and the day that we die. And there's a little dash in between. And the question is, how are we going to live the dash? How are we going to make good with this one and only life that God has given to us as a gift? So that we can love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that we can love others as we love ourselves. And so that we can go and we can share the ministry of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that's living in darkness. That's the key to building the habit of happiness into your life. Amen? To 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 life, amen. 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 Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.